0: A Lutheran at Notre Dame, what's going on? Unusual? Well, let me throw out a name to you Newt or Canute Rockney. Hey, friends, welcome to the Press Club C podcast. I'm Ray Keating. We're up to 117 episodes. Whoa. Uh, in this one, I'm going to talk about my recent road trip that included a visit to the campus of the University of Notre Dame. First, a quick reminder on what the Press Club C actually is all about. Each letter stands for stuff we talk about. P is for politics. R is for religion, mainly Christianity. E is for economics. S is for sports. That second S is for stories, books and writing my own books, other books, fiction, nonfiction, uh, reviews, author interviews, and so on. C is for culture, pop culture and otherwise. L is the big catch-all for life. U is is for understanding lessons, for example, in history and economics. Uh, B is for business and entrepreneurship. And that last C in Press Club, C, is for conservative. Why? Because I am one. And as I say, you always have to be very clear now as to what kind of conservative you are, even if you are a conservative. You might not be a conservative, yet you call yourself a conservative. I know, I digress. So I'm a Reagan, Kemp, Buckley, Coolidge, Lincoln, Madisonian kind of conservative. So, all right, let's get to uh, my visit to Notre Dame. Last episode, I mentioned that I went on a road trip um, to Milwaukee. Uh, that was for the uh, 68th regular convention of the Luther Church, Missouri Synod, at which I met great people, uh, found some good theology, and talked to all sorts of folks while I set up a table selling my Pastor Stephen Grant thrillers and mysteries and and Cathedral Alliance of St. Michael Novel, and my economics books and so on. So that was at in downtown Milwaukee. On the way back, one of my stops on this road trip was at Notre Dame. So um, my background with Notre Dame, listen, I'm, I'm a Lutheran today. Um, <clears throat> growing up in an Irish Catholic family on Long Island, it was required that you were a fan of Notre Dame football. <laughs> Never shook that off. Um and, uh, so, so what's a, you know, but you kind of scratch your head. What's a Lutheran doing at Notre Dame? Well, um, as I alluded to earlier, uh, Rockney, Rockne, um, the great football coach at Notre Dame, uh, who won three national championships. Well, guess what? When he won those first two national championships, he was a Lutheran. So there you go. Um, I noted this by the way, in. For the first time in, uh, in Warrior Monk, a Pastor Stephen Grant novel, which was the first book in the series. But I also brought it up again in uh, uh, a very recent one, Under the Golden Dome, a Pastor Stephen Grant novel. So with a title like Under the Golden Dome, yes, uh, the story takes place at and around uh, Notre Dame. I noticed this. I noted this in a previous episode, but I'm bringing it up here because this most recent visit to uh, to the campus at Notre Dame allowed me to stop in at once again uh, various locales that are highlighted mentioned in the book. Uh, so I'd like to, um, you know, just hit on a few of those moments in the book, and then talk about me being at those spots. So. In Under the Golden Dome, chapter 25, right, Stephen and uh, Jennifer arrive at the Morris Inn, which is the hotel uh, at Notre Dame, on Notre Dame's campus. So here's a little bit for the book. Uh, Stephen knew of the Morris Inn, which had long stood on the Notre Dame campus. After all, he had spent some time at Notre Dame while attending Valparaiso University. His college girlfriend, Kelly Walsh, had attended Notre Dame but that was some time ago and the hotel known as the living room of the university had since gone through upgrades. As they arrived and went to check in, he took note of assorted changes. Stephen liked how welcoming the lobby was, including the comfortable furniture and gas fireplaces and the painting above one fireplace, a replica of the famous Touchtown Jesus mural on the side of the Notre Dame library, drew Stephen's attention as he assumed it did others as well. When they got upstairs, Jennifer and Stephen were pleased with their room, including the king-size plush bed. Um, I'll stop there for a moment because, yeah, we, we were able to stay at the Morris Inn this last time. This is the first time I was able to stay there. Did some exploring. Um, and uh, the room that we had was just really nice. Wonderful room. And by the way, an awesome uh, shower. I, I'm a big shower fan. It's a big shower in that, <laughs> in that room. But uh, wonderful, comfortable beds and so on. Um, let me continue on. Uh, with the book because uh, we were able to stop at this restaurant as well. So I continue in the book. It was just 9.30 when the four regathered in Roars, the hotel's restaurant and bar. The bar area was elegant, adorned with leather seating, wood, and brass. When the waitress arrived for their orders, the three men deferred to Jennifer. She said, quote, such gentlemen, close quote, with a touch of good-natured sarcasm. Jennifer looked at the waitress and said, Quote, I'll have one of your signatures, the Dexter, close quote. The menu described the Dexter as being a mix of woodland reserve bourbon. I'm going to butcher this, by the way. Cochi di Torino, Pierre Ferrand Dry Curacao, and Luxorado Cherry. I'm pausing from the book. I told you I could write this stuff. I can't necessarily say it I return to the book. Tom, Tom Stone, requested an Irish old-fashioned... Featuring Keeper's Heart Irish American Whiskey, Spiced Honey, Angostura, and Orange. Stephen asked for a Bramble, a concoction of Nolet's Gin, Lemon, Cream de Mure, and Blackberry. Finally, Ron said, quote, as a representative of the Vatican, I'll have the Father Hesburg Manhattan, in remembrance of the priest who led this university for 35 years, I believe, close quote. The ingredients were Lot 40 Canadian Rye, d'. Torino bitter cube, cherry bark, vanilla bitters and cherries. After the drinks arrived, Tom asks, since you mentioned being the Vatican's man on the scene, how did you get this assignment? Why were you brought in last minute? Close quote. And the conversation proceeds from there, but yeah, it's, uh, it's uh, Roars is a wonderful restaurant. Uh, Food is excellent. And the drinks really are uh, quite good and quite fascinating. Um, gonna jump ahead to chapter 27 and under the golden dome uh, so this is where uh, Jennifer and Stephen decide to take a little uh, tour of the campus uh, one morning which is exactly what I did with my son Jonathan um, the morning that we stayed there so let's um, Let's pick up at this point in chapter 27. As they strolled among students moving between buildings or simply enjoying the morning sun, Jennifer said, quote, how touristy touristy of us going to the Notre Dame football stadium first. I assume touchdown Jesus will be next, close quote. Stephen replied, of course, they just kind of go together, right? Close quote. They walked around the stadium that was built in 1930 and expanded in the 1990s, and they stopped to read the inscriptions on the base of each coach's statue positioned around the outside of the light-colored brick, cement, and glass structure. When they paused at the statue of Arat Parsegian, who led the Fighting Irish on the gridiron from 1964 to 1974, winning two national championships, Stephen said, quote, The other statues are nice, but this clearly is the most impressive, close quote. Parsegian was portrayed hoisted in the air on the shoulders of three of his players with his fist in the air. Jennifer said, quote, Hmm, not Newt Rockne's? Considering how many times you've noted that he was a Lutheran, at least when he won the first two of his three national championships, close quote. Stephen replied, sure, I love Newt Rockne, and his statue just oozes old-time football coach, but come on, this is a great statue. The two looked at the Parsegian sculpture once more, and Jennifer said, quote, agreed, close quote. Um, as speakers at the conference, they were able to enter the stadium for a field-level view of the green grass and the near 81,000 seats stretching ever upward. Stephen commented, you know, I've never really actually seen a game here. Jennifer jabbed, not even while visiting Miss Walsh. Stephen smiled and said, no, not even then. After exi- exiting the stadium, they walked toward the touchdown Jesus, toward t- I mean, sorry, toward touchdown Jesus, actually named the Word of Life, looming large on the side of the Hesburg Library. The 132-foot high, 60-foot wide mural depicted Jesus as the great teacher. Stephen took in the work and its mirror image on the reflecting pool in front of the building and sighed. and Jennifer said, satisfaction, I assume? Yes, this place fits you, she said. For the most part, you know, statues of Martin Luther and Philip Melanchthon would be nice, he replied. She said, I don't think that's going to happen anytime soon. They went around the other side of the building to see a 17-foot-high Moses in bronze Holding the Ten Commandments and lecturing the Israelites for falling into idolatry, Jennifer said, Quote, "I just read that this statue often is what I just read what this statue often is called and Stephen replied with Moses pointing that single finger in the air, first down Moses, Stephen smiled, not surprising." Among their following stops, one was at the Christ the Teacher statue, with Jesus sitting on a stone block as he speaks to teaches to young people. The scene was under an open air atrium with other blocks and benches to sit on. Stephen looked at the handful of students who were sitting on a few of those blocks, reading books, talking, working on laptops, or scrolling on phones. By the way, just to pause for a minute, that's how we—that's exactly what we experienced. Uh, the day that we visited. Continuing in the book, as they drifted away, Stephen said to Jennifer, this is going to sound old, but what a great spot for college students to hang out, whether overtly or subconsciously sitting amidst a piece of art portraying Jesus' teaching. That has to have some kind of effect. At the very least, it has to get one thinking or wondering. Jennifer added, quote, and the statues are so beautifully detailed right down to the sandals worn by Jesus. The artist is Burl Jones. I'm curious what else he might have done. Eventually, they stopped in front of another statue of Jesus in a garden with outstretched arms facing the university's main building. Stephen chuckled. Jennifer asked, what are you laughing at? He said, notice who gets outdoor bronze statues at Notre Dame. Jesus, Moses, priests, and Newt Rockney, Frank Leahy, Ara Arsigian, Dan Devine, and Lou Holtz. That, that last group is the five coaches, who won national championships in football. Just in case you were wondering about the priorities at Notre Dame, just consider the statues. Um, I'm just going to read the next paragraph because this is where his former, Stephen's former college girlfriend first appears. Quote, you're not wrong about that, Grant, came a comment from behind. And she continued, but let's not forget Mary, the mother of God. After all, this is Notre Dame, our lady, And there she stands, atop the main building's golden dome, all 19 feet and 4,000 pounds of her. As the person spoke, Stephen and Jennifer turned to see Kelly Flaherty. Stephen noted that the years had been kind. Her long red hair might have had a few strands of gray mixed in, but it was still vivid. And the description of petite continued to fit his old college girlfriend. For good measure, her wide eyes had remained bright blue and full of life, and she was showing off a big smile that Stephen knew. So many years ago, I'll leave that off there, but I stopped again, getting back there for a visit, able to stop at all those spots. And then we have, um, another restaurant, uh, which my son and I went to for lunch while we were there, O'Rourke's public house, which is essentially right across the street from the Notre Dame campus. So let me give you a little flavor from the book. And this is very much what we experience as well. This is chapter 29 in the book. Father Ron McDermott, Father Tom Stone, Pastor Stephen Grant, and Jennifer Grant decided that Irish fare should be on the menu for their late Tuesday night dinner. So they wound up at O'Rourke's Public House across East Angela Boulevard from the Notre Dame campus. It was a tad on the loud side and full of energy. That's what they expected and were pleased to find. All four went full Irish pub. They shared two appetizers, the Reuben fritters and the scotch eggs. By the way, pause here. Those Reuben fritters are darn good. I didn't have the scotch eggs. I've had scotch eggs elsewhere, and they're surprisingly good. Anyway, let's continue. For the main meal, Jennifer ordered the shepherd's pie, with Stephen selecting the O'Rourke's burger, which featured bacon, blue cheese, sautéed onion, and Jameson's sauce. Another pause. That's what I had for lunch. Aces on that burger. Continuing for Tom, it was the Guinness beef stew with chunks of sirloin, and assorted vegetables, all in a Guinness stout gravy with mashed potatoes on the side. And Ron chose de Blarney, corned beef sandwich with sauerkraut, Swiss cheese, and Thousand Island on a marble rye. After ordering, Tom commented, I'm not sure if that's what you'd get as a traditional meal in Ireland, but it does feel like what you should get in an Irish pub in America. Does that make sense? And it was four drafts all around, a harp for Jennifer, a Smithwick's Irish ale for Stephen, and both Tom and Ron ordered a half-and-half, half, a combination of harp and Guinness. Dinner was enjoyed not just for the food, but also the, laugh, uh, the banter and discussions among friends. So, yeah, we went to uh, O'Rourke's, and it was quite, quite good. Now, the last stop is... Um, The cathedral and um it, it really is a breathtaking building especially when you consider it's on a college campus uh but let's go to chapter 32 in the book before the faith and freedom conference officially kicked off after lunch on wednesday participants were invited to attend a morning mass in the basilica of the sacred heart Father Ron McDermott was a celebrant. Stephen and Jennifer attended with Father Tom Stone, but Grant found himself distracted prior to the start of the Mass. Part of it was the beauty of the church. There was so much to consider, like the baptismal font at the entrance and the magnificent pipe organ above it. The ceiling featured angels on a blue sky with stars and a gold area above the sanctuary depicting Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, along with various prophets. In the distance behind the altar... Used during Mass stood the elaborate original altar with a tabernacle tower that Stephen found out had been inspired by Revelation 21, verse 9, seven angels with seven bowls, and the vision of the new Jerusalem. There was much more, such as the plethora of stained glass. It was all a great deal to drink in. In this case, he resisted applying an evaluative eye to see what might or might not sit right with various particulars of Lutheran theology. He decided that he was a guest in a Roman Catholic church and he would appreciate it as a guest. Um, <clears throat> now, I'm going to jump ahead to where they were sitting uh, in the cathedral because I made a point of stopping there as well while I was at. The campus. Uh, Let's see. As luck would have it, Jennifer and he happened to be sitting near a stained glass window featuring St. Patrick. Stephen thought kind of fitting at the home of the Fighting Irish. Geez, he even has a green halo. Taking note of Patrick being clean shaven, Grant wasn't sure if he'd ever seen the patron saint of Ireland portrayed that way before. However, Patrick standing on and gripping a snake was not unusual, along with a few three-leaf clovers on the ground. But most striking for Grant was that the lower part of the window, or the medallion, showed St. Patrick baptizing an Irish nobleman. Grant thought, after all, the point of celebrating St. Patrick is that he spread the Christian faith in Ireland. Grant had read St. Patrick's confession, and he thought about how it opened. Quote, I am Patrick, a sinner, the most unsophisticated and unworthy among all the faithful of God. Close quote that helped grant get focused in a more appropriate direction. As did the start of the organ music, the congregation rose to their feet as the opening processional moved down the center aisle with Ron in the final spot, all worldly distractions were swept away for Stephen as those in attendance, including the university of Notre Dame liturgical choir began singing one of his favorite hymns. "O God, beyond all praising. Yeah. That's one of my uh, coincidence there. It's one of my favorite hymns. Um, If you ever get a chance to listen to that via whatever music service, CD, whatever, um, listen to that hymn uh, done by Notre Dame's liturgical choir. Uh, It really is, oh God, beyond all praising, it really is uh, wonderful, to say the least. So yeah, we made all the stops while we're at Notre Dame there um, that you would make as a... A tourist, one what, what of the fascinating things, and I came across this in a bookstore. And by the way, if you go to Notre Dame's campus, you got to go to their bookstore. It's, wow, <laughs> it's a massive store. Um, and yes, I spent too much money there as well. But um, I was listening to somebody somebody coming in um, saying, well, there were two two families. One was talking about that this was part of their vacation. So I find that fascinating, right? You're on vacation and you're stopping at the campus of Notre Dame. Um, which I understand because, again, this is one of my favorite places in the country. It has definitely become so. Uh, and the other part is there are tours. Another family was talking about they needed to to get ready to, to get on the next tour. Next time I go back there, I'm going to take one of those tours uh, and make sure. just make sure I'm going to do that. Uh, so there were a whole host of reasons, getting back to Under the Golden Dome, why I set uh, that story there. But also I set it there because... Um, at, I had to set it. I think some academic institution, just because of the the debate over uh, the issues that are that are that are discussed in the book, had to happen in an academic set, setting, and it just kind of naturally fit that it would happen at the University of Notre Dame with its long intellectual tradition and and the fact that the issues explored in the book by the characters are explored – at have been explored at various times at Notre Dame itself by various professors and scholars and so on. and So it, it all kind of fit, um, and I was just really happy to be able to return there again uh, for a visit like this, especially after the book being published – with the book being published and all – um, it's only been a handful of times now that I've been at Notre Dame and it's only been in recent years. I mean, when I say in recent years, say over the last, I don't know, 10 or 15, probably yeah, 10 years that I've actually, when I first visited, it was probably, uh, within the last decade, which is kind of interesting, but it really has become one of my favorite places in the country. I could say that of a few spots in America that I came only recently visited in recent, you know, in, in recently visited in recent times. Ooh. Um, but you get my point and, uh, just, they, they kind of so impress you that they stay with you. And the campus at Notre Dame is one of those places. So I hope some of that is communicated in under the golden dome, along with hopefully a darn good story mix of, uh, of reflective issue, you know, issues to reflect on and action and personal relationships, uh, and so on. So I enjoyed writing it. I hope people enjoy reading it. Um, and I enjoyed my recent visit on this road trip to the University of Notre Dame campus. Uh, folks, thanks for listening. Your feedback and suggestions are always, always, always welcome. Uh, again, please check out my various endeavors and books the Pastor Stephen Grant thrillers and mysteries, uh, the first book in an Alliance of St. Michael uh, series, Cathedral. Uh, they're available at amazon.com and Kindle and paperback editions. Uh, also, you can get signed books at online.com Also, at online.com. you can get the Lutheran Planner, the to do list solution. Hopefully, it offers some organization and some inspiration. Uh, the Weekly Economist series. These are my uh, uh, one and two are out. Um, they're quick reads help you think like an economist. So those first two books are out, again, at rakeeatingonline.com, at amazon.com. Uh, other books on the uh, you know nonfiction front are available. Free Trade Rocks, 10 points on international trade. Everyone should know. Um, check that out. You got the idea, folks. Um, I appreciate you listening. I appreciate you reading. Uh, thanks so much, and God bless.